0: Father in heaven, thank you so much for this time that we have to study together. Lord, thank you that you have watched over us and that you've kept us safe this past week, that we have this opportunity to come and study. And I just pray, Lord, that you would please send us your Holy Spirit. Guide us and lead us, O Lord, as we're about to open the Bible, that you'd speak to each of us so clearly and so tenderly this evening. So, Lord, please. Open our eyes that we might be able to understand your word. Now we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, last week we studied about Jesus' encounter with this demoniac, this man who was possessed with an unclean spirit. And because these unclean spirits were given permission by Jesus to enter into the 2,000 pigs and these 2,000 pigs, because of these demons, ran down a steep slope and drowned themselves in the sea. The people there at the Gadarenes got on their knees and begged Jesus to leave. And so Jesus got back into the boat and went back across the lake from which he had just gotten out a few hours earlier. And so we pick it up here in Mark chapter 5, starting in verse 21. It is a continuation uh, in in terms of uh, what what is it? It's a continuation of the story that we, we read in the first 20 verses from last week. Mark 5, 21. And when Jesus was passed over again by ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet, and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live." As usual, Great crowds gathered around Christ. He was famous, but a man, Jairus by name, he came seeking for Christ to come to ask for help. His daughter was about to die, and he's begging that Jesus would come and just touch his daughter, that she would live again, that she would be healed and be restored back to health and strength. And you know, this really was one of the main reasons why Jesus was so famous is because many people were in need and Jesus never turned any of them away. He always helped them. He always ministered to them. He always reached out to them to heal them and relieve them of their sickness and their suffering. And so when Jairus comes out to, to ask Jesus to go with him, Jesus goes with him and he goes on his way. But what happens? Verse 24, and Jesus went with him and much people followed him and thronged him. So as Jesus is following Jairus, it's 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 a slow process, it's a slow crawl, because why? He was so famous that people were just gathering around him. They, they, they wanted to follow him, they wanted to listen to him, they wanted help on all sides. It was just a big crowd that Jesus had to get through, and it was difficult. And so it was a slow crawl through the city, through the streets, and as Jesus was going along, he encounters someone unsuspectingly that comes up to him from behind. Let's continue. Mark chapter 5, verse 25. And a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. So a woman, she had been sick for 12 years already, and she comes up to Christ, sick for 12 years, bleeding for 12 years. We're not sure what the sickness is, but she had this, what the Bible says, an issue of blood. And not only that, what we know is that she had gone to all sorts of doctors and all sorts of physicians and they couldn't help her. And to make matters worse, she got worse after seeing these doctors. Can you believe that? Ah, you know, I have a a bit of an idea of, of what this woman was going through, just a little bit, you know, I'm not that sick, you know, but when I was young, you know, all young people, they have, well, some I see some people, they don't have problem with pimples. But, you know, I just had big problems with pimples. And I, my, my brother and my sister, they would go to the facial and, and I would go with them. And guess what? My face got worse after that. I don't know what was going on. And I've had these swollen joints. In fact, one of my fingers are swelling right now um, to the point that I can't bend it, you know. And it, I I don't, I don't I really don't know what happens and what causes it. I, I think it's food allergies, but sometimes I stay from certain foods and I still swell up. But, you know, I had this swollen joints for since I was a teenager. And I remember going to to one doctor, one time they pulled out this long needle and they stuck it under my kneecap and pulled out this yellow fluid to test what it was. Of course, it was so painful and they just came up with a diagnosis. You have rheumatoid arthritis, can you believe that? I was in my teens and here they are telling me, I have rheumatoid arthritis. How depressing, and I've not gotten better, but you know, I'm still functional, I can still live a normal life. But this woman, she went to doctors, she was sick 12 years, bleeding for 12 years, went to all these physicians, people that were experts on the body, were meant to know what to do, and she spent all that she had, and she got worse. She got worse. She was wealthy at the beginning, but she was now a very poor person. There was just many things that were riding against her. And look, there's something that's really important that I have to mention here. There's something that you've got to understand, okay, when it comes to talking about doctors. To be a Christian is not just simply to just bring all your sicknesses to Christ and that's it. And you don't go see a doctor and you don't go see a physician. All you do is pray and, and just trust God to heal you. Friends, that's not what a Christian should do. So I'm not saying that all doctors are bad and you should never go 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 and see them. Definitely you got to pray about it. But and that's an absolute must, okay? But we should do all in our power to go and check to see what is the problem. We shouldn't just be taking any medication and you know just popping pills in rather than changing our our diet or our lifestyle or our habits or whatever it is. But we shouldn't just go to the other extreme and say, I don't need any doctor. God's just going to heal me and that's it. No, friends, we got to be balanced. And, uh, you know, we got to pray that God would give us wisdom to know what to do, even after we've seen the doctor. So no, not I'm not trying to teach that all you have to do is just pray and reach out and touch Jesus and that's it. Okay, that's not the moral of the lesson is not trying to tell us that all doctors are bad. But enough said about health. You know, I just want to be clear about that, but let's continue. Coming back to this woman, okay? The Bible says that she's been bleeding for what? 12 years. She's run out of money. Her condition is getting worse. The physicians had not helped in the slightest degree. Let's continue. Verse 27 of Mark chapter 5. When she heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. So this woman had heard about Jesus. She had heard that that he was this healer. And so as a last resort, she comes in behind and she reaches out to want to touch him. It's her her last hope. You know, nothing else has worked. There was nothing else, nothing else that she could pin her faith to. And you know, friends, isn't it so often that Christ is really our last resort? Too often we don't stop to pray and ask God, God, what should I do? God, lead me. God, heal me. God, show me. Give me wisdom to know who to talk to and give me wisdom on what I should do. And look, Sometimes God is silent, okay? Sometimes we do pray. I know a husband and wife that have been praying for a son and, or a daughter or a child for, for many, many years. And, and God never gave them that child. But today they've adopted two children. You know, so what's the reason? Sometimes we might not get the answer this side of heaven. We've got to just trust God. But friends, there are many times that we don't even turn to God. We just go to the doctor straight away. We don't get on our knees and we don't ask God to guide us and to lead us or to show us or to give us wisdom to know what to do. And too often, Christ is our last resort. When we've hit a dead end here and a brick wall there, He then only becomes an option to us. And this woman, she had seen all sorts of physicians. She'd spent all her living, all that she had, And it's only then she comes to Christ. But granted, look, 12 years earlier, Jesus was not yet in active ministry. So, you know, I'm not saying that it was just her lack of faith. I'm not saying just that, but an application for us to consider is absolutely that. You know, for us, many of us, we refuse to come to Christ first, except when we've hit rock bottom. It shouldn't be the case. He should always be our first option, amen? You know, Many of us would rather take a pill than to come to Christ. We'd rather take a pill than, than, than come to the Bible to figure out what it teaches and where we should change. We like to usually take the easy way out, and only when it gets worse, then we say, okay, Christ, I can't handle it. Please, show me what to do. But this woman, she was desperate. She was broke. She was still sick. She had nothing left. Maybe she'd even sold her house. She was living on the streets or living in, uh, under the goodwill of someone else's house. She was desperate. And now all her hope was centered on this one last act. This one last person, Jesus Christ. And when she came to Christ, you know, what did the Bibles tell us? Uh, I want you to go back to, to, to this she came in, in verse 27, she came in the press behind and touched his garment. She didn't even reach out to touch his leg, or touch his arm, or touch his hand, or even touch his hair. She just came in from behind and unknowingly wanted to just come in and get healed and go away. She just said to herself, if I could just touch her clothes, I or his clothes, pardon me, I will be whole. He doesn't need to touch me. I just need to touch him. And we're not sure where she got those thoughts from because you know, when you look at the encounters that Jesus has with people, more often than not, actually, all the studies that we've studied so far where Jesus heals people, he is the one that's touching them. There's never a person that reaches out and touches Christ and goes, oh, I'm whole. Jesus is the one that touches the leper. Jesus is the one that reaches down and offers the man his hand to lift him up so he can walk. Jesus is the one that is always touching people. This is the first encounter that we see where someone is reaching out to touch Christ before he has said anything or made the move to go to touch them. And look, we don't have any background on where she got this thought from, except in desperation. Her faith gave her this idea, you see. And you look, where on Christ's garment does the woman actually touch? We don't read it here in Mark chapter 5, and so I want to go to a parallel passage. Same story, but in a different book. It says here in Luke chapter 8 verse 44. The Bible says she came behind him and touched the border of his garment, and immediately her issue of blood stanched. She actually touched what? The border of his garment. And whether that was the hem at the bottom there, or on the sleeve where it went round the border of the garment there, you know, so that's what the, 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 the border of the garment, the hem is. It's, it's the edges of a woman's skirt you know, at the very bottom there, or, or the bottom of our pants or shorts, you know. She reached out and touched just the edge of his clothes. Didn't touch his body. Didn't touch his legs or his feet or his hands. No, 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 no. She just touched his garment. Now look, what is the significance of all of this for us? Just in a quick application. Why is this important? Because you see, a woman in Bible prophecy, she represents a church. And this church is sick. We are all sick with sin. Sin has given us this sickness that we just cannot cure. No human power on this earth can help us And if we want to be made whole, we have to reach out. There's a part for us to play, you see. We have to reach out and touch the border of Christ's garment. Now, what does the border of the garment represent? Let's go to another Bible text. Numbers chapter 15, 38 and 39. Numbers 15, 38. Speak unto the children of Israel and bid them, that they make fringes in the borders of their garments throughout their generations, that they put on, upon the fringe of the borders, a ribbon of blue. And it shall be unto you for a fringe, that ye may look upon it, and remember all the commandments of the Lord, and do them, and that ye seek not after your own heart and your own eyes, after which ye use to go a-whoring. You see, the children of Israel were commanded to put on the borders or the hems or the edges of their garments a ribbon of blue. You see that? So whether it be on the bottom of the skirt of the garments or the sleeve there or even round here, they had blue all around the edges of the garments. And yes, it would have looked nice, but it also served a different purpose. Do you remember reading what it was? There in verse 39, It shall be unto you for a fringe that you may look upon it and do what? Remember all the commandments of the Lord and not just remember, but also do them. So this woman, the church, represents a church that is sick. And the only way to be healed is you got to reach out and touch Jesus. And what are you touching there? His commandments, His law. That is what can heal, because in that law, there is His Word, it is the character of Christ, it represents Him, and it represents a church wanting to keep all the commandments of God. They represent God's people in the last days, you see friends. In Revelation chapter 14 and verse 12, we're told, Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. And so rather, I I should correct myself on what I said there. The commandments didn't heal. It was the faith that healed and it was wrought out in obedience to the commandments of God. Friends, we need a faith that is willing to reach out and to touch Jesus this evening. And he can heal you. You got to trust him you got to trust Him and, and if not heal you in that very instance, He will lead you to someone that can lead you and to guide you and to help you. But we have to do our part to reach out. To reach out and touch Him. Yes, Christ came to this earth and He came to save men and women from sin. He paid the price on Calvary on the cross. But there's still a part for us to exercise our faith, to reach out and just grab hold of Him, to touch Him. There's a part for us to play today, friends. But let's continue. Mark chapter 5, verse 29, And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus immediately, knowing in Himself that virtue had gone out of Him, turned Him about in the presence, said, Who touched my clothes? You know, straight away, this woman is healed. And Jesus immediately senses that some sort of power of virtue has left him and has helped somebody in the crowd. And so he turns around and asks, Who touched me? And of course, It was a weird question to ask at that time. Why? Because everybody has been crowding around him and been jostling about him and bumping him and touching him. And and you know, Peter, the ever-ready Peter, he speaks up in Luke chapter 8 and verse 45 and 46. After Jesus says, Who touched me? When all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude throng thee and press thee and sayest thou, Who touched me? And Jesus said, somebody hath touched me, for I perceive that virtue is gone out of me. You know, it was a weird question to ask because people were thronging him. They were surrounding him. They were touching him on all sides. People were probably bumping into him as they went or people were bumping the disciples and the disciples were stumbling over and touching Jesus constantly. So it was natural for Peter to ask this question. He was not wrong to ask this question. You know, Christ, what a silly question to ask. Are you serious? What? But Jesus could sense the difference between a casual touch and a touch of faith. You know, there's a big difference, friends, between simply coming to church week in and week out and coming with faith, with a hunger and a desire for Jesus. There's a big difference between just doing the form of reading your Bible and really coming with a desire to know what Jesus wants to teach us in the Word with His truth. It's possible, friends, to be in church all your life, And miss out on the blessings that God wants to give you. Or to miss out on Jesus altogether. You know, I grew up in church all my life. And it's possible to just go there with a form. Because I had no choice. I grew up in the church. If I said to my mother, I didn't want to go. I had no choice. I would get in. Willingly or unwillingly. And you know, friends, not all come with a longing desire. Not all come with that that understanding and that thirsting and hungering after Jesus Christ. Some come for the food. Some come for the fellowship. That's what I went for, really, ultimately. Some come for a, a special guy or girl that they're chasing after. You know, friends, look, I'm not saying don't come at all, okay? But make sure that even after you come, then you can readjust, that you find that, that, that pearl of great price. You find that hidden treasure in the field, that you find Jesus and not just friendships in church, and that's it. you got to ultimately come for Christ, to be in His presence. And you know, friends, I, I, I've i preached so much, and you know from the pulpit, you know, you, you can see everybody, especially when it's a small crowd, you can see the church. And I, I've seen people talking with each other the whole time, throughout the whole sermon, not listening. You see people on their phones, and they're, they're not a, a ashamed, you know. They're, they're, they're just there looking at their phones the whole time. Or I've sat at the back of the church because, you know, my my kids were small and I had to make sure that I couldn't sit in the front. So I'd sat at the back. When they're noisy, I'd run out to the back, you know. And I'd see people with their phones drawing away, people talking away, people texting away, people running up and down. And, you know, it's so interesting that, you know, some people, they, they, they just can't sit still. Once the preacher gets up, they have ants in their pants. They just got to get up. They got to go to the toilet. They got to go get some water to drink. They got to just stand at the back. They got to do all sorts of things. And they just can't sit still and listen to the preacher. We come for all sorts of reasons, you know. And many times, we just have a casual touch with Christ. We don't reach out with an arm of faith. Many of us, we're just bumping into Jesus and saying hi, or we're curious to see what's going on. But we're not coming with that faith that's centered on Christ, that's desiring Him above everything else, that's hungering and thirsting after Him. The Bible tells us if you seek me with all your heart, you'll find me. We've got to have that hungering and that thirsting. We've got to have that. Urgency and desperate desire in our hearts. Otherwise, friends, we come more often than not with just a casual touch. And many, they don't realize their need. And this is often the case in our generation, isn't it? We're just coming to look for a show, to see a miracle like a magic trick. But this woman, she came with a purpose. She realized her need. She reached out and touched Jesus with faith. She was desperate. And she was the only one that was benefited by coming in contact with Jesus. No one else received that benefit. No one else received that blessing. And so friends, it's not enough just to come to church. We can be in the very presence of Christ And miss out that blessing. We're not blessed because the Holy Spirit came down on someone sitting next to me. You know what I mean? He has to come down on each of and every one of us in a personal way. So it's not a corporate blessing. We must experience him individually at the individual level. There's a need of coming together in that corporate setting, yes, but the blessing is an individual experience. Let's continue. Mark chapter 5, verse 32. And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. Jesus knew who it was. He knew who it was that had reached out. And so because she was so shy, because she was so scared, he stops and he turns around and he looks the woman dead in the eye. Not with anger, but with love saying, I know it was you. And so the woman comes out and confesses. And he wanted her to confess. He, he wanted her to testify, to share of the blessing that she had received. Now look. Jesus wasn't trying to take all the credit. He wasn't trying to tell the whole world, "Hey, look, 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 come here, people! Look at the woman I just healed." He wasn't trying to do that. He was famous enough already. He didn't have to try to attract more attention to himself. Many times, actually, when you when you look at the the miracles that Jesus performed of healing people, he would tell them, "Please, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody." You know. But this time, and even the last story we looked at last week. Tell of God's goodness. It's not enough just to receive the blessings of God, friends, and yet be silent about it. Jesus wanted this woman to make a public confession of God's goodness for the sake of everyone else as well. Mark chapter 5.34 then it says, And he said unto her daughter, Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace. And be whole of thy plague. You know, not only did Christ want her to testify, but he wanted to speak a word of comfort to her as well. It was her faith that made her whole. Christ wanted to clarify that, you know, it was there was nothing special about his clothes. It wasn't it wasn't some heavenly or holy clothes or some special clothes that that healed her, it was her faith, her faith in him. He didn't want to give any idea that that material was to be fought over. You see that? There was no healing virtue in his clothes, friends. The blessing came from Christ that was brought down to her in an instant. And after that woman was healed, Jesus wanted her to acknowledge that blessing. You know, friends, the gifts that the gospel offers to us The blessings that come from Christ, they're not to be kept and enjoyed in secret. Do you know that? God calls us to make a profession of his goodness. We are to be lights to the world. We are to be the ones that not only experience God's goodness, but we got to share about his goodness as well. Not to boast about how much blessing you received, but to boast about Christ. It's not about how smart you are and boasting about how well you did in your school. Uplift Christ. He's the one that gave you the wisdom. It's not just so you got a pay raise and not everyone else did and yay, 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 because I was this and I was that. No, but you got to understand that He is the one. He's the giver of all good blessings. We are to be Those that will tell the world about God's goodness. In Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 12, the Bible says, I have declared and have saved and I have showed when there was no strange God among you. Therefore ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, that I am God god calls us to be his witnesses to confess and to profess about him and his goodness it is through this medium that we are to tell the people about god's goodness and who he is you know friends there's only so much preaching that we can do from the bible but what is most effectual is our personal testimonies and experiences every person has a life that is distinct from everyone else's even if you live in the same house god desires that our praises would rise up to him marked by our own individuality you know it has to be a personal experience and it is these praises when it is supported with a christ-like life it's not a taint of self in it it's not about me it's not about my wisdom it's not about my strength it's not about my good looks it's not about my good cooking or my good work that i've done it's all about christ when it is supported with a christ-like life it has an irresistible power that works for the salvation of other people last week we just saw that man who was healed from the evil spirit that had plagued him for years. And he went and told everybody all about Christ and what he had done. And when Jesus came back, everybody was ready to receive him. You see, friends, it was not about him. It was about the man that had healed him. And so, friends, friends you must share your praises. You must testify You've got to share of God's goodness. Yes, week in and week out. Because His mercies are new every morning. His blessings are new to us every morning. We must be experiencing God on a daily basis. Or, or look, at least you must tell me that you're experiencing God on a weekly basis, right? There must be something you have to share of God's goodness. There must be. And I want you to really take a hard, long think about it, friends. And you know, you might be saying in your hearts and minds, well, I'm not that sort of person that that likes to share. But you must be. I'm telling you, you must be. Because Christ, He's turning around and He's looking at you this evening. He's looking at you and saying, friends, my son, my daughter, what is it that you have to share to other people about how I've been good to you in this past week? you got to testify, not because Ben told you to, but because I'm good, because God is good and He deserves all the praise, all the glory. Christ, He's looking at you and waiting for you to share about His goodness today. What will it be, friends? If you keep silent, maybe the stones will cry out that means we've missed out on the blessing and and god has passed us by do you understand that even if you are the shyest person on earth surely i'm not asking you to stand up and speak it in church we're online surely you can write something down of god's goodness right i see about close to 100 people right there in the, the live stream right now but i only see 45 comments and some of them are just happy sabbath friends please testify of god's goodness and if you can't think of anything i want you to pray god help me to think of something of how you've been good to me give me something to share to people about your goodness to me not because i want to brag about my life but i want to brag about you god you deserve all the praise and all the glory and friends If you can't think of anything, then you got to pray, God, give me an experience with you that I can testify of your goodness. Because maybe some of us today are just living our own lives, caught up with our own self, and we are not even opening our eyes to see about God's goodness you gotta stop and you just gotta pause and say, God, you gotta help me see. You gotta help me see your goodness. Every good and perfect gift is from above, James chapter one tells us, and comes down to us from the Father of light. Friends, what is that goodness that God has given to you in this past week? You know, in the Old Testament, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were called servants of the living God. Daniel, in the book of Daniel, was called servants of the living God. Why? These men, these three Hebrew boys, they passed through the fire and they came out alive. Daniel was thrown in the lion's den and he came out alive. He was a servant of the living God. It was evident that his God was alive. John, in the New Testament, Exiled to Patmos, his enemies tried to kill him, throw him into a pot of boiling oil, couldn't kill him. He served a living God. The evidences of God's, God's goodness and even preserving his life was so clear that it wasn't God. Um, I mean, it wasn't John saying, I serve a living God. It was the enemies that would say, you serve a living God. You see that, friends? God has to be a living God to you today, here in March 2021. He's got to be real to you. He can't just be head knowledge and theory. Yes, I know about the story of Samson. I know about the story of the, uh, of the crossing of the Red Sea. I know the story of Noah. I know all these stories, and that's just head knowledge. But we have to, we have, to have this living experience with God. It's got to go beyond the pages of Scripture this evening. It's got to become part of your life. And so what are those blessings? What are those testimonies? What are those praises? And they can be small. But you must recognize that they're from God, you see. Too often we don't recognize that. But God's asking you today, will you testify about me? Christ is looking at you, square in the eye, my son, my daughter. Tell me and tell others how I've been good to you in this past week. You know, God has timing for everything. The book of Daniel tells us he sets up kings and he removes kings. This MCO, ah, you might think in Malaysia here it's because of the government. It's not because of them. God allowed them to to do this. And when it's lifted, it's also because of God. Do you understand that? I praise God for the lifting of the MCO. God has His reasons. God has His purposes. God has His plans. God has His designs. The question that I ask you this evening is, is your mind able to penetrate all of that and see with the eye of faith His goodness? What's your testimony, friends? Because all things work together for good. All things. I met a Bible student, I told you last night. And you know, this girl, I, I think she's watching in. I'm not going to say your name to embarrass you, but I, I think you're watching in this evening. And uh, you know, we-, we had messaged, she had reached out to me in uh, December last year. And we were meant to meet up, and uh, she was asking this week, I couldn't meet this week, and the next week, I couldn't meet next week, and then she got busy. So, you know, it was my fault first there, you know. And I didn't hear from her. But I praise God that she reached out this week, and we were able to meet. And uh, that's God's goodness, friends. I wish we had met earlier, but God has His timing too. All things work together. For good, to those that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. Friends, are you able to discern God's guidance in your life? You've got to be thankful for where you are today. You've got to be thankful that God brought you to this point. Do you recognize it? Do you understand that God is good all the time? So please friends, I hope that before you sleep tonight that you will share with somebody, if you have not yet, that I hope you'll share with somebody about God's goodness in your life, your personal testimony. What is it friends? And I pray, and I'm going to pray for you, that if you don't have that, that God will open your eyes to help you to see, because I know that God is good to everybody. He is. It's just a matter of whether we discern it or not. Okay, let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, you are so good to every one of us. Help us to see that. So often we look at life's trials and we complain and we look at the cup that's half empty instead of all the blessings that you've poured out upon us to fill our cup to half full. Lord, open our eyes. Help us to see Jesus in each of our lives today. Help us to see the living God who is so real, but so often we are just looking in the wrong direction. We're looking at the world. We're looking lustfully to all the the, the things that we want, not realizing our great need is Jesus himself. And so, Father, please draw close to each and every one of us this evening. Help us to not only experience you, but help us to testify of you as well. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for these lessons. Help us, Lord, to go forth from this place with courage to share your goodness to our neighbors, to our friends, to our family, that truly they can see that we serve a living God. So bless us all this evening, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www. Dot audioverse.org.